Welcome to Growing Home, the podcast that helps you take care of the place that means the most to you, your home. I'm your host, Terry Therian, alongside your co-host, Len Giddix. Today's conversation is about growing and harvesting your own potatoes. And since we weren't able to get anyone to come in today, Len, we're going to have you take us through how to grow potatoes. Oh, that'll be fun. Yes. All right. Very good. So to put you on the spot, what are some of your uh, favorite potato dishes? Well, I don't think I have. Scallop potatoes I don't like, okay, for some reason, but baked potato. Baked potato. Potato in a jacket, it's called also. Okay. And uh, usually with a russet potato. Mm-hmm. Um, now a lot of people like you know bacon and sour cream and butter on it. No, I have a secret for you. Okay, a one sauce on it's the potato on a potato, not the steak, but the potato. Okay, that's my favorite right there. Gotcha, gotcha. Does it usually accompany the steak? Not necessarily. No, I can have a, pota- a baked potato all by itself and with the a one sauce. With the a one, that, that that's that's pretty much mandatory. How about you? Oh, I'm a mashed potato guy. You are. Yeah. I always have been. Something my aunt and I always bonded over. Yeah. And but what's not to like about mashed potatoes? They're warm. They're homey. They reek. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Comfort. Oh yeah. I mean I've. I always associated mashed potatoes with the holidays yeah. and making, you know, that you make the little volcano to put your gravy in. <laughs> to each his own, Terry. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then, you know, always, I always laugh that uh, my girlfriend, Chelsea, every time we go on a car trip, you know, French fries, and that's what she uses to pacify her car sickness while I'm driving. Really? Yeah. You drive that badly? I don't think so, but apparently, I, I actually, I'd like to err on the side that she just gets car sick really easily. Now, is it, will any French fry do? There there are some differences in at least fast food French fries. It's almost political. It is. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, she does prefer McDonald's French fries. She does. She does, yep. You see, I'm a big Wendy's uh, French fry fan. They they must coat it, coat it with something, but I think theirs is much better. Oh yeah, and I, you know I've actually always been a Burger King French Burger fry guy. King. Yeah, especially I think it was I don't know, must have been like around 2000. Yeah, where they made them real crispy. Yeah, that's my favorite yeah. right there. But yeah, there's a French fry out there for everyone, isn't there? Th- there is absolutely, and and to treat you know people with car sickness. <laughs> I didn't realize that was <laughs> a cure. Um, but you know. I, as I uh, was preparing for today, you know, you go through and we're brushing up on, you know, potatoes and everything. But uh, the potato is like a pretty influential ve- vegetable in our society. All around, yes. Yeah. I mean, even from, you know, all these different dishes to the potato battery we experiment with in middle school. That's right. Yeah, which is, which is pretty cool where the potato just allows the... Uh, transfer of ions between two metals and because mm-hmm. and as it's transferring those ions it creates an electrical current yeah and there's actually been they're doing studies to see how they can use potatoes in third world countries <laughs> as auxiliary power <laughs> isn't that crazy that is crazy yeah how many potatoes does it uh does it take to light a light bulb it was you know i don't you know. actually have a there is, there is a, a number. number there's a number yep and uh, i i can't remember I saw a picture with three. Probably an LED would, would shine yeah. easier than an incandescent, which is not available in the United States anymore. Well, they said uh, however many potatoes it was. Yes. 
but it was keeping a room lit for 40 days they could do with potatoes. Really? Amazing, right? And what are we fooling around with solar for? And wind power. We could just have grow potatoes. Right. Endless supply. And I, you know, I don't even know. You could probably eat them after you're done using the I would energy. Imagine. They might even be cooked. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, you know, there's always, uh, you know, our movie stars, uh, like Mr. Potato Head. Of course. Yeah. So uh, I read that Mr. Potato Head was actually invented by George Lerner. Uh-huh. And it was in 1949. It was actually the emotion pieces that you put on a real potato. Like arms and legs and eyes and stuff. Yeah. Right. And the mustache. Yeah. And I think it changed to plastic when there became an issue and moms were finding too many rotten potatoes around the house. Oh, of course. Yeah. It goes under the bed after you're done with it. And a month later. <laughs> yeah. You got a blue potato. <laughs> And then, you know, changed to plastic and eventually it was uh, it was purchased or taken on by Hasbro. And Mr. Potato Head was the first toy advertised on TV. It was. Yeah. It's always been a star. And now it's, you know, the star of, you know, this summer's Toy Story 4. And it was the, the only licensed toy that went into the making of Toy Story. Licensed, you mean it was already exi- patented and existing. Right. An existing uh, toy out on the market. That was used in the movie as a character. Wow. And none of those other characters were already no. out there? All afterwards. Wow. Yeah. All the imagination of Pixar. The power of movies nowadays. Yeah. So Mr. Potato Head's got it going on. So anyway, for our discussion today, can we start off, you know, sharing with us, you know, how long you've been gardening and growing potatoes? Oh, I've been I've been gardening as long as I can remember. I remember my first garden, you know, it's like your first girlfriend, your first car. You remember your first garden. It was like five feet wide and 10 feet long. I had four rows, I think. And I I don't know whether I was smaller then or the onions were bigger then, but, you know, they were Spanish onions and they had to be four inches across as far as I was. At least. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I don't remember what else I grew up. I'm sure there was some beans in there and some radishes and stuff like that, but easy stuff. But boy, I'll tell you what, that was my first an only immaculate garden. Never had a weed in it, but it was only 10 feet by five feet. So I didn't have any excuses. You know, that's over 60 years ago. I've been growing potatoes for, mm, gosh, at least a dozen to 15 years in, in my backyard. I mean, if you're a new gardener, a potato is the easiest vegetable in the garden as far as I'm concerned. Easier than tomatoes, easier than peppers, radishes. Radishes is like second. Okay. Uh, easiest, but potatoes. I'll tell you what. Start off with potatoes, and you will um, be very happy. Right. And then, what about like, how easy is it to get like a substantial yield from them? Oh yeah, though it's they're like rabbits. <laughs> you put from one seed potato. And we're going to talk about seed potatoes later, but from one seed potato, let's say the size of a hen's egg or a little bit bigger, you cut that in half, you will easily get eight or nine pounds of potatoes harvested potatoes of different sizes of course Mm -hmm. and so what do you think about you know is it is it cheaper to grow the potatoes and to buy them at the store oh yeah definitely i mean you can get 10 pounds for two dollars and you're going to pay three dollars for seed potatoes for a normal bed but it's like raising chickens you know yeah you can buy the eggs for 88 cents a dozen at walmart or you can raise the the hens and go through the entire experience and 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 the gratification of producing a four dollar egg but it tastes better and you've experienced it it's like you know raising children is it worth raising children 
Of course it is. Why? You know, there's every reason in the world. Yeah, your personal investment into it, right? A lot of investment. Let me tell you, Terry. <laughs> into raising kids or potatoes? Yeah, it's both. No, <laughs> kids. <laughs> Raise potatoes first and then decide whether you want kids. <laughs> gotcha. So, good. I haven't regretted it. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll start practicing with potatoes. Yes. <laughs> Great. So, you know, what does it take for us to get going in growing potatoes? Like, what, what's the starting point? Maybe even talk about, like, you talked about the seed potatoes. Yeah. Can we just get regular potatoes at the grocery store? Well, you could, but you don't want to. Okay. There's two reasons to spend a little bit more money on seed potatoes. And it, and it is a little bit more money, but it's almost a guarantee of success. One, the potatoes in the store are treated with a sprouting inhibitor. Mm-hmm. In other words, they all have eyes on them, but the eyes are very small, and this inhibitor keeps those from growing. So you could take them and put them in the ground, but they would come up a lot later because of that inhibitor. And I'm sure you've opened up a bag of potatoes in your lifetime and found a couple of gushy ones in there. Well, that's because they're not uh, selected to be disease-free. Once that bacteria that makes potatoes soft, this uh, I think it's... Uh, Pseudomonas solanaceum, and and once that gets into the soil, you can forget about growing potatoes there again, in that part of the in, garden. In that part of the garden, because that bacteria will always be there, and it will always rot your potatoes. So you want to start off with seed potatoes that are certified to be disease free. They're cured uh, ahead of time. The curing process is just an aging process to harden off the the skin. And they're tested for disease, and only then are they sold to places like Mackey's where uh, you can buy lots of different varieties. That's where I buy mine all the time. I have been doing it for years. Yeah, yeah. We've got uh, a whole bunch of the traditional ones. Those come in in, like, the bulk bags and everything, yeah. uh, usually early April. They're held back a little bit because of the colder temps in March. If March is warm, they'll come in early. But, uh, you know, usually they're here by early April, and then we've got some real exotic colors like the purple majesty oh yeah those, stuff. Are, those are neat those yeah. are neat. yeah they look awesome like all boiled and chopped up on the side of a plate and well i found that the blue potatoes tend to turn green so for st patrick's day that would be perfect <laughs> when they're boiled when they're boiled yeah <laughs> <laughs> and when you see them when they come in you're not going to want to plant them right away but the varieties are available you know all the varieties that are available the first week that they come in and then right. once people find out about it they start picking out their favorite varieties so you can keep them in the refrigerator uh, or in a cold storage somewhere for a month or so until you're ready to plant yeah so what's the timing and when you would actually plant the seed potato i you know, everybody tries to stretch it one way or another, but I don't put them in until Memorial Day or late in May. Oh, really? Yeah. So well after the frost date. Oh, definitely. The average last killing frost date in New England and Connecticut is May the 15th. And the 30th will give you plenty of time for the soil to warm up. Remember, they need fairly warm soil. In order to sprout. <laughs> in order to sprout. Okay. They should be sprouting. Now, the other thing with seed potatoes, when you're when you're, when you're you're choosing them, you want a seed potato, no matter what its size, with a lot of eyes. And in some of these, you probably wouldn't cook with them because you think they were gone by because they're sprouting. The sprouts are an inch, two inches. You want that. You want that with a seed potato. And okay. You, you can cut a 
potato in half or some of the bigger ones in even thirds. You only need something about the size of a golf ball to start off with, maybe a golf ball to a hand's egg size to actually plant, and you can cut them. Try to have each piece have two eyes okay. that are sprouting. That's important. Your soil needs to be kind of high and dry because potatoes don't like to be sitting in the water. That's where you're going to have some disease problems, like the Irish did back when. They had a warm, rainy couple of seasons, and... Their soil's like clay, and, and that's what happened. They just had this fungus come through, uh, Phytophthora infestans, and wipe them out. Uh, so uh, keep your potatoes high and dry. I grow them in a container. Other people grow them in one of those fabric garden bags. Yeah, Those are great. And uh, just a little bit, I'll tell you why containers are better, I think, for potatoes than a row. Also, you want the pH of the soil to be fairly low, 5.5 to 6. Now, stomach acid is around 2, a pH of 2. Okay. P- a peat bog is about a pH of 3 to 4. And then we're, we're talking about 5.5 to 6. Normally, we would grow most crops at 6.5 to 7, which is more neutral. Yep. Okay. Uh, 7 being neutral. Right. But... Potatoes like it acidic, and it's also good because bacteria don't like acidic conditions. And soil bacteria that can ruin potatoes won't like that soil. So gotcha. that, that's important uh, where potatoes will like it. It's their ability to soak up the uh, nutrients in the soil. Do you usually have to amend your soil to get it to... I do. Okay. I do because I fertilize with chicken manure because of the $4 chicken eggs. I produce, I have chickens. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and also I use wood ash because there's so many minerals in wood ash. You think of all the wood that, if you if you burn wood, think of all the wood that you burn and you get a couple of buckets worth of ash. Well, that's full of minerals, but it's also full of alkali, which makes the soil sweeter, mm-hmm. heading towards seven. So yes, I'll, I'll add some soil acidifier. Did I get at Mackey's? Yeah, um, the sulfur. Yeah. I imagine it does have sulfur in it. Yeah. yeah, sulfur works fine. Okay. But try to get that pH and measure the pH. Make sure you got it down to 5.5. You can use papers. You can use uh, a lot of people have these uh, papers that they measure their body's pH. You can use those. Okay. Or there are meters, electronic meters that I have that uh, that I use that'll tell you instantly what the pH is. But you mix it up good. Get that soil to 5.5. And then you're pretty much ready to plant. If you're an organic gardener and you're putting a lot of compost in there, you may want to amend it with some sand to make it friable. And uh, drainage is important and pH is important. Gotcha. So what do you, what, even like using a compost, if you buy a compost that has some peat in it or something to... Peat's actually a great thing to maintain a, a good drainage in any sort of garden because it'll loosen up a clay and then also structure a sandy soil. Yeah, it'll, yeah exactly. And it'll also bring down the ph but the important thing is the drainage drainage is important um, and I, is that why you do it in containers well that's one of the reasons because i literally the hebron land is uh could be defined as uh rocky and hard pan uh, under about four inches of what we would call soil so it, it collects the water and i literally garden in a rocky swamp so i have to keep everything above containers are are easy especially for potatoes yeah i also have uh, raised beds uh, but i got to keep it above the water gotcha where was i we were talking about containers yeah and we got the soil in them 
And but you're only going to fill them up about halfway. You're only going to have about six inches of soil. I was fortunate enough to get some 10-gallon containers when I was in the nursery business. And uh, I'll fill those to about 10 inches with soil, about halfway. Mm. Okay. In any container you want, you, you want it only halfway. Then take your seed potatoes, cut them up with two eyes apiece, put them on the surface. Maybe there's, I'll, I'll put three, uh, no more than four. Uh, pieces in this 10-gallon container, which is, what, a foot and a half across? Yeah, just about. Yeah. Um, and then, here's the secret. Buy some uh, straw, not hay. Yep. Straw. And uh, a, a small bale, large bale, whatever you'd like. It's all, you can use it anywhere in your garden. But you want to put in, you want to fill that container on top of the potatoes that you laid on the soil with straw, and you want to pack it in. Uh, the straw comes off the bale in what's called books uh, they're bible size pieces <laughs> but they're called books uh-huh. and you can take a whole book and just stuff it in and then fill in the corners so to speak but you don't want to put soil uh, on the potatoes i don't uh instead of straw and you want enough on there so no light gets down to the potatoes because once a potato tuber which is what we're planting it's in a it's a uh, a type of stem not a root but a type of stem once that gets exposed to light it turns green and then forms an, a heat resistant alkaloid which is poisonous which gave potatoes a bad name back in the 1700s really 1600s. yeah i and, did not know that especially if you're pregnant you don't want it let's say and this will happen it, at least it happens in my household it's recommended that you don't keep potatoes in the refrigerator Mm-hmm. to store them in the refrigerator. So I put them on the refrigerator, but they get exposed to light in my kitchen if I put them on the edge of the refrigerator. Now, okay, you know, it, it's a kitchen for crying out loud. You're going to be cooking. So there's no reason why you can't put potatoes on top of the refrigerator. But if you leave them there long enough and take them down, you'll notice that some of them are green. They have a green tint to them. Mm-hmm. Got to get rid of those because that doesn't go away and the alkaloids can, well, make you sick. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So you pack the uh, the container to the top with straw. You sit back and you say, I'm done. That's it. You're, that's it. That's it. You know, you don't have to. Well, you've already put the fertilizer, you know, the chicken manure in the, mm-hmm. or commercial fertilizer in the soil. Mix that up. But that's it. And then you, you wait and you wait and you think this is never going to work. And Son of a gun and a maybe two, three weeks' time, depending on the temperature, you'll see the stems coming through the straw. They work their way right through it. They don't push it up. They work their way through it. And it's like a miracle. And then this this very lush plant starts to grow, or plants start mm-hmm. to grow on top. Somewhere around late June, they'll start to flower. You want to pick the flower buds off. You, remember, you don't want the plant to put its energy into producing flowers and then fruit, which are poisonous anyway, so you don't want them. Yep. But... Uh, you want it to put its energy into the tubers down below. Okay. Okay. So you're kind of managing the plant as it grows. Yeah. You kind of look at it every once yeah. in a while and see if you've got any uh, insect uh, damage you know, or flower buds. It's just like a, it's a walkthrough with a cup of coffee in the morning or a glass of wine in the evening. You yeah, make they... it easy, you know? Oh, yeah. And this is important in gardening. <laughs> there are certain techniques that just can't be <laughs> glossed over. <laughs> You know, I, I'll, I'll do it because I'm retired once a day, just my walkthrough and mm-hmm. say hello to the chickens, see how many $4 eggs I have, and then uh, pick off insects or, you know, it's a small patch. Yeah. Do they require, you said they, 
you don't want them sitting in water and they need good drainage. Do you water them every day? No, I don't never water them. Never water them. Because with the small amount of water that is there and all of that uh, uh, straw on top, it's a wonderful mulch. If the plant starts to wilt, yeah, it's telling me that it needs some water, and then I'll put some on there. But rarely, rarely do I oh, water wow. in a swamp condition. <laughs> because it's so humid in your area, anyway. You know, yeah, one of the nice things about gardening in a swamp or in, in, in a marshy area, it, I'm gonna quit calling a swamp. It's it just doesn't drain well. Yeah. Okay. And, and having these containers on it, the, the roots, if they need it, will go through the bottom holes in the container and get moisture from the soil that the pot is on. Yeah, okay. And uh, I rarely have to water. Uh, I think there's been a couple of years where I have to do my tomato plants or my pepper plants, but normally I don't. If yeah, I, okay. If I mulch. Yeah, especially the last few years are really rainy. Oh, last year. I've never. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I ever got rid of the water in between my pots last year last year was tough yeah. for a lot of things tomatoes yeah grapes uh, oh the local well that's another story vineyards. that's another podcast yeah <laughs> next episode um great so we have you know the plant set up uh we're doing our walkthroughs we're and talking to them drinking the wine right enjoying our wine and coffee yep so then outside of picking the flowers off as they come out to make sure the energy is going into the roots tubers or the, the tubers what else are we looking for? Well, the, you, you take the opportunity to look at your tomatoes and your squash because that's where you're going to have more problems. With the exception of maybe some Colorado potato beetles, mm -hmm. you've got very little uh, to worry about for the potatoes. Okay. I mean, you, you're going to talk to them so they don't be lonely. Right. So they're not lonely. Yet. Of course. But then you have an opportunity somewhere in July. I always grow two varieties of potatoes, and one of them is always a red skin potato. Yep. Because there is nothing in this world other than a jacketed potato, baked potato, mm -hmm. like a new potato. It's called a new potato because it hasn't hardened, it hasn't cured yet. The plant is not dead yet, but the potatoes have formed and they're usually small and the reds always mature sooner. So, uh, you know, actually you can just pick up the straw and you'll see the potatoes growing on the surface. So if you see a golf ball size or an egg shape size or even bigger growing on the surface, you may want to sacrifice that one container, pull up the straw, mm -hmm. pull up the plant, and the potatoes will be hanging like Christmas ornaments uh, off the bottom. Take those in and, and boil them, saute them, whatever you want to do, but they are the creamiest potato on earth right there you will never get a better tasting potato and it's in the middle of july and you're wondering why you're a potato salad oh my gosh oh, oh perfect for the summer ah oh, just in time it is perfect and since they're in containers you don't dig up the whole row you dig up just what you need so probably one container is going to be plenty for you for several meals so how long into the season if you're if you're going through and you're managing those flowers properly yeah how long can you go and, and then do you have to do anything else with those plants that, are, that you've got going maybe the duration of the summer? Yeah, you can let them go. The plant is going to tell you when it's time to harvest. Okay. Except for new potatoes. That's your option. Mm -hmm. uh, and different potatoes, different varieties of potatoes will mature at different times. For instance, a russet, that, that'll go into the fall. And basically, the plant will be doing well, and then all of a sudden, sometime in late September or early October, the plant will start browning out. Okay, this is starting to tell you that I'm done. I've got 
potatoes underneath and I am done growing for the year. You can take the opportunity to dig them up then. Basically, when you harvest potatoes, what you want to do is brush off as much soil as possible mm-hmm. uh, with your hands. Lay them out on a table in the shade for about a week. Let the skin harden or cure. And then uh, they say not to wash them or brush off as much soil as possible. I like to run them under the sink. That's what I do. Usually they don't last too long. I run out of potatoes before they rot. Let's put it that way. Gotcha, gotcha. (laughs) And keep them in a cool place, maybe in the rafters of the basement if it's unfinished or in, in the garage when it gets colder in some sort of mesh bag where you get some airflow. Uh, airflow is important. Okay. Some people put them in sand. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Like, like a jar of sand? or A box, a, of, a box, a box of, sand. of sand, dry sand. Uh, carrots can be done that way. You know, back when we had coal cellars, mm-hmm. uh, that was the way to do it. But uh, I think ha- hanging them from a rafter in the basement in a cool section. Of the in basement. a mesh bag? Mesh bag, like an onion bag or something like that, yeah. Or, gotcha. So then what are, I don't know, what are some common pitfalls where it's you know maybe the colorado potato beetle or different diseases like what if we what if we do run into that stuff what do you recommend we do well i've never run into any of the the fungal or bacterial diseases of potatoes because i keep them high and dry and i just separate the containers enough so they have airflow through between the plants so if you do that and you don't have a like, like last year was a difficult year, could have been a difficult year, but since I didn't have any trouble with fungal disease, yep, and that could devastate you because the same fungus, there's two different fungi, the same fungi that produce the early blight of tomato and late blight of tomato are the same fungi that cause early blight uh, or late blight of potato. The tomatoes are from the same family as potatoes. Okay, so, so do you have to keep them separated? No, but what you should do in order to avoid any buildup is, and it's, sometimes it's very difficult because tomatoes are one of our favorite crops in, in the United States, to rotate, rotate your garden so that there's no uh, consecutive year where you plant potatoes or tomatoes in the same spot. Plant your tomatoes or potatoes where you planted beans last year uh, or broccoli or, or, or wherever and try mm-hmm. to do that over a three-year period. That way, any disease potential as far as soil diseases are, are reduced dramatically. Okay. Colorado potato beetle has been just, if, if I've had any problems with Colorado potato beetle, they're easy. I mean, you won't get through half the wine before you go through. And I just squish them, you know. Yeah. I mean, some people find that disgusting. I find that very satisfying. <laughs> it's easy to, 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 to locate them because they make little circles at the edge of, the, they chew little circles at the end of the edge of the leaf. And many times they're below the leaf. Now beetles, when they're disturbed, are going to fall. So if you just put your, you know, put your glass down, don't don't put the beetle in the wine. Okay. okay. That's. Oh gosh, that's, you don't want to catch it in the wine. Don't catch it in the wine. Yep. Right. So put your hand underneath the leaf, tap it, and see if it falls into your hand. Because that's what beetles do. They just tuck in their legs and they fall to the ground. Okay. Uh, and you got them, and then you squish it. A little squish. A little squish, or some people will take some alcohol in a in another container. Uh, another that. type of alcohol, rubbing alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't waste the wine on that. Don't a, waste good alcohol on yeah. the Beatles. Yeah, I've heard people do it with like gasoline or something. They'll put like uh, a little jar, yeah. and then they'll just, as they collect bugs out of the garden, they'll just toss them in. 
yeah that, that, um, the turpentine yeah that all works they depends how uh, how much you want the bug to suffer i guess okay yeah yeah no we don't want that no we you know they're all god's we're, creatures. We're humane they're all god's creatures yes absolutely so then what do you do for so we've harvested and what do we do to well bring- i want to bring up wireworms okay wireworms sure. are probably my nemesis um as far as growing potatoes wireworms and you've seen them if you've pulled away the soil they're about an inch inch and a quarter long they're long slender they almost look like a centipede many times if you can get a hook on them they're great for fishing but they live in the soil for a couple of years and they are the larval stage of the black click beetle which is a, a beetle about a half an inch long, three eighths of an inch long, okay. that you'll see running along the surface. It's okay. a bullet. It's bullet shaped. It's not huge. Uh, there's a number of black beetles that in the soil, but yeah, um, the larval stage will last for one to five years. And what colors? Um, the, the, the worm, the, the wire worm. The worm is like a brown beige. Okay, mostly mostly a cinnamon brown. Gotcha. <clears throat> and as you're working the soil, you'll you'll see them. You want to get rid of those right away. You want to stick your fingernail through them and cut them in half and then toss them okay birds love them especially chickens by the way if you can have your chickens go through your potato patch they'll they'll do a nice job on the wire worms and that way you can just you can keep holding your wine you can keep holding your wine and the eggs don't cost as much there you go (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) the best way of getting rid of wire worms uh, or reducing their numbers because what they'll do is they'll uh, actually bore into and only a little bit sometimes not more than a half an inch but they'll make a burrow in there that turns brown and it just makes it unappetizing okay if you bite into a wire worm it's you know it's crunchy but yeah. adds protein but it's not appetizing right before uh okay you're going to plant your potatoes for harvest in late may Okay. Yep. The two weeks before then, between April the fifteenth and April the thirty-first, going to take a regular standard store-bought potato, cut it in quarters, and take a golf ball size of it. Maybe if you have a bamboo skewer, that works great, or a toothpick. But you want to put it on the soil that you're going to plant the potatoes in. Cover it with about an inch of soil and leave it there. Now the wireworms are going to be attracted to this potato and they're going to bore into it and then what you do is before you plant your potatoes you pull out those pieces of potatoes and make sure you get every one of them that's why you put them on a skewer and like a lollipop with they'll they'll, they'll be worms in there and you just destroy those in in the fire or or in the garbage and if you do enough of that you're going to reduce the population down to uh you're gonna to have to do it every year but you'll reduce the population enough to be tolerable and then of course just go through it and, and pick you know, out any of them pick them up there. yeah along with the adults because the adults lay eggs every year okay because well once you plant your potatoes and yeah. get the straw on top you really got to let it sit you gotta let it sit you're not gonna talk okay. and that gives it a good uh environment for the wireworms to be protected from birds and whatever mm-hmm. this year i'm gonna try diatomaceous earth and mix it in with my soil i don't know if it'll work in that condition usually it's you know dry and, yeah. and powdery on a leaf mm-hmm. but i'm wondering whether these will be affected by that i would imagine definitely would treat the beetle i don't know about the wireworm as long as it treats yeah. something yeah. yeah yeah also there's a nematode that you can buy supposedly i have not tried that i oh. uh, that gets a little expensive as far as i'm concerned and a little bit too much work than i want to go through yeah it's very cool though when people it use is. In- insects for beneficial insects to control 
the the pests in the garden. Yeah, yeah, really cool. Yeah, great. So then, or what I was getting to a few minutes ago was, oh, sorry. Uh, so we've got it, we've harvested, we've pulled out our Christmas tree of potatoes. Yeah, and we get those inside all put away. Now, now you also not all of them are going to stay on the plant. You're going to have to kind of. Dig through a little bit. Dig with your hands, but you don't need to use any tools because you haven't walked on this soil. It's in a container. Just run your hands through. It's very friable. And you'll pick out a lot of potatoes that are way down the bottom, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Now, should we? can we reuse this soil, or should we dump it all out? No, no, no. Reuse it, but for another crop. Oh, okay. Next year. I mean, actually, it's a little late in the year. Maybe you can plant some lettuce in there. That's fine. But by that time, uh, you know, in October, I'm ready to just say, okay, I'm, I've got to dry. I've got to make some tomato sauce. I have to make ketchup. I have to make sauerkraut. So I've got enough things to do that I'm not going to replant that. But maybe that's a bad yeah. attitude. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, you, you've worked, you know, hard all summer, and, and now you just want to get that stuff on the plate, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so you, you can just take the soil out of our containers and mix it in with our other vegetable beds or even our perennial beds. If you, if you don't, yeah, if you, let's say you had a bag, yep. um, you could definitely put that in a, in a compost pile and add it to uh, the, the soil somewhere. Um, I just leave the soil and move on. I'll amend it in the spring or through the winter and uh, plant something else there. Cool. Any other, you know, from your... Your many years and your wisdom and managing potatoes or growing potatoes. Any other words of advice, or do you think this is a, a good good place for us to get a start with? Well, potatoes are always a good place to start with. The only yeah. problem that I've had in growing potatoes is I've tried for years and years to grow potato tots, tater tots. Okay. You know, they're like my second most favorite potato, but mm-hmm. they're processed. Uh, they're processed and. Potato pancakes, that's processed, you know, and that's close to potato tot, but tater tot. Uh, I'm just looking forward to to potatoes, the new potatoes, and, and then uh, this year I'm going to grow russets so that I have. I have for not grown russets yet. And russets are the, that's the traditional Idaho potato, right? Idaho potato, yes, there we indeed. Go. That's a baked potato, and that's, I guess, what I'm after. But I never had, uh, last year I grew Irish cobble, which you sell. Mm-hmm. Very, very good potato. It's a very nice potato, large, good yield. Um, it's good for just about anything, I think. Uh, it's a white potato. Okay. And, then, and of course, while we're talking about colors, uh, you've got a variety of colors and textures and uh, sizes out there. You, there's the colorful potatoes, the blues, the reds the purples purples and they're just amazing and they're also higher in antioxidants if you're looking for a, a higher uh, nutritional value from your potatoes okay um the thing is a colored potato when it's boiled tends to turn some other color than oh. you're, you're used to like easter eggs yeah kind of <laughs> like easter eggs yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the finger link potatoes they're the very very fancy a French potato, you know, mm-hmm. very expensive to buy. And you can grow them uh, willy-nilly in your garden. And uh, feel very French and very important and serve them to your guests. Oh. Oh, yeah. One of the one of the finer vegetables. It is a high-class vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> and then the red-skinned potatoes, which are 
they're great uh, as new potatoes, the waxy potatoes. I'm glad we started with what you like for a potato because if you make a potato, if you like chowder, if you, or you're going to make a clam chowder yep. after you go clamming in, in August, as we all do or we used to anyway, yeah, you want to use a waxy potato because that, like a Yukon Gold. Okay. Um, and there's a list uh, that I have here. I'll have that available when you buy your potatoes at Mackey's, what the what the different varieties are used for. Okay, yeah. We'll, we'll put that up are. on, uh, you know, we always put the the episode up on our website. Yeah. And yeah. in there, there's a, a whole list of, you know, all yeah. the key stuff that we think is good to remember after yeah. we're done. And So, uh, you know, you want to pick the potato that you want to use it for. And uh, there's no reason why you can't just grow one container of Yukon Gold, for example. Or if you want to try different varieties, just try one container. And so you have six containers. You can try six different varieties and decide what you want. Yeah. That's the glory of it. It's like a, like a tomato plant. you got to buy a six-pack of tomatoes, right? Yeah. You only have to buy one seed potato. They may look at you a little funny, but don't let that bother you. <laughs> no, we, we would never. No, you wouldn't. No, no. no. But I, mean, yeah, I think you bring up a really great point. And that's kind of back to the hobby of it all. You know, the way you talk about it is, you know, even after doing this for so many years, still trying new things, seeing how it goes, learning from that process. And that's like the exploratory, rewarding part of it. And there's definitely, if it always went perfect, it probably wouldn't be as fun. It wouldn't be, no. But what you learn and what you accomplish and then what you overcome, you know, trying new things every year, that's that's part of the experience and the exploration of the whole process. Yeah. You learn a lot from your mistakes, and uh, I guess you don't learn a lot of new things from your successes. No, that those are just ego strokes. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I don't know. You know, I, my uh, my uh, success has come from my mistakes. Certainly, trying different things, always n- never giving up. Sounds like a life lesson in those potatoes there. You know, it can be. Yeah. You know, Mr. Potato Head means a lot more. He represents life in general, doesn't he? Mr. Potato Head, he can, he can have a certain hat one day and another hat another day, another expression. Also, kind of growing potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lena, you know, for today's episode and being put on the spot, I think you did a great job. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't, yeah. you know, I, I didn't have any notes with me here. and. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, let's do it again sometime, too. Awesome. Well, then, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, we'll look forward to seeing how, what our yields are this summer and um, see what we accomplish. You got so. it, but definitely try potatoes. If you're going to do one thing, try potatoes. Absolutely. All right, Len. Well, thank you very much. You bet. Thank you all for listening. For notes from this episode, check out the blog section of our website at MackeysInc.com. That's M-A-C-K-E-Y-S-I-N-C dot com. And remember, where that is and what you love, that's home. Mackey's, where the home grows. <laughs>